here we are again, back to talk about the book called The Big Score by Linda Ferrari. Big Score, Getting It and Keeping It, Buying Power for Life, Linda Ferrari. So we're back into chapter, I believe, five on page 58. And let's go here. So we have, let's say we stopped off, I believe, at Credit Bureau Scores. You already know that Credit Bureau uses software created by Fair Isaac and Company to calculate credit scores. Although Equifax uses the exact FICO model, the other two credit bureaus have made minor modifications to the software to be unique and to do what they believe gives them a competitive edge. That's why all three scores are usually different. <laughs> they, do, they do so by selling different formatted credit reports and by calling the credit reports and credit scores different names. Experience sells the plus score. TransUnion sells the true credit score. Equifax sells the score power score. Ooh. <laughs> what is the benefit of purchasing a credit, uh, purchasing a bureau, sorry, let's try it again. What is the benefit of purchasing a credit bureau score? It was a, uh, if, it's, if it's a preference, some people feel more comfortable going directly to the source of the data. So she says, why wouldn't you always purchase a credit bureau score? We talked about this before, but I'm going to read what she says. Because of, to get the full picture, you would have to purchase a credit report and score from each credit bureau individually, three transactions versus one. Each credit bureau will offer to sell you all three credit scores to try to keep all of your business. However, if you order all three credit scores from one credit bureau, you must realize that the scores, those scores are being calculated using that credit bureau's version of the FICO's, FICO model. So the Equifax score that you receive from Experian will not be the real Equifax score. Good to know. So now we're on to page 59. <clears throat> when would you want to purchase a credit bureau score? If you're not comfortable purchasing from an unknown online company, again, it's a matter of preference. Doesn't, uh, does it hurt your credit score to pull from credit bureaus, your score? No. If you're pulling from the bureau, that's basically it's a straight source. You're going to write to the bureau, not going through a third party or anybody else beside the credit bureau. So you're good. So there's no scoring, uh, no, no uh, uh, inquiry ding, you call it, or dropping your score because you inquired. <laughs> Here we go. The online scores. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of online companies that offer credit reports to consumers. They offer multiple ways to get your report. You can get all three reports and one credit score, or all three reports and all three credit scores, or one report and one credit score. In all cases, the data is taken from all three credit bureaus, and the scores are calculated by applying very general criteria that is not specific to any one use. As a result, the scores generated by these online companies are usually unrealistic when it comes to lending and are therefore not a good source for you to make determination about how a particular type of lender would view you. Hopefully this is, will change. So what they're saying there is that, like I said originally, that the if you pull straight from the bureaus, the models are not there. So lender, when you pull a residential credit, residential mortgage credit report, that'll be different than if you pull from a car dealership for a car auto loan or from the bureaus. So recognize these numbers will not be, you know, <laughs> always the same. So probably more like not being the same is more appropriate. 
Why wouldn't you always purchase online scores? Because the scores generated by these companies are not realistic to the lending industry. Also, the information offered on these reports is incomplete. You don't get the full picture. When would you want to purchase online scores? If a consumer signs up for an annual program and generates an updated report every 30 days, it provides an opportunity to monitor credit scores at a reasonable cost. This is why I told you about the, uh, if you go to the annual, credit, the annual creditreport.com website and every four months pull your one bureau, we have fax, transient experience, pull one every four months, four times three is 12. So there you go. Every four months or, you know, every, uh, yeah, every four months you'll have a credit report and for free. Free is good. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, next thing says here, the lender score, AKA try merge. Okay. This is on page 59. At the bottom, <clears throat> when you apply for a home or an auto loan or any type of revolving credit, the scores pulled by lenders are not the same scores that you receive from the credit bureaus. That's what I said, huh? <laughs> Most lenders purchase their credit reports and scores from a third party. That's what we talked about, like Credco or Credit Plus, or there's so many different groups out there that uh, are third-party vendors that service credit scores for lenders and a whole other group for the car auto dealerships or whatever. And all different people for student loans, so yeah, there you go. And then when the people who you know, if you if you uh, rent a if you rent a property, then the property management company, I'm not sure where they pull theirs from. More likely, they're pulling it, you know, uh, probably pulling from maybe from what we do. Maybe I'm not sure because you know sometimes they are a real estate uh, company. Somehow they get access to the credit reports, but probably not a mortgage residential credit reports. So only they don't want to pay the thirty to sixty dollars for those because they're researched and much more work in them and just. A lot more uh, detail to the credit reports we pull because there's more data when you make sure that you're a safe bet, right? There we go. Okay, page 60 says there are literally hundreds of companies that offer these services to mortgage companies, auto dealers, and banks. Some commonly known companies that are generic tri-merge reports are LandSafe, uh, InfoOne, Coral Factual Data are a few names. Like when I said, the Credit Plus or the Credco or, you know, kind of stuff like that. There are other people's names too. Let's say the consumer goes to ABC Mortgage Company to apply for a home loan. ABC Mortgage Company asks the potential borrower to fill out an application that authorizes, that authorizes them to pull credit, to pull their credit report and credit scores. ABC Mortgage Company uses LandSafe as its credit reporting vendor. The loan originator at the ABC Mortgage goes online and accesses ABC Mortgage's account with LandSafe. The borrower's credit application is then entered into the system. From their LandSafe, I think LandSafe was somewhat related to Countrywide, so don't quote me on that, but I think they have some relationship. Countrywide, you know, back in the day. I go forward, I digress. LandSafe autom uh, automated systems contacts uh, the three credit bureaus. In turn, responds from the data feed. Once the data is on their borrower, feedback, blah, 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 right? So you basically access the data, they pull the data back, give you a printout, and there you go. So as you can see, all lenders calculate credit scores using the same data from the three credit bureaus, but all lenders do not use the same software to evaluate the data. Back to the modeling thing, how they, how they, what, what are they looking at to create their scores? Okay. Lenders calculate scores based on criteria considered to be the most pertinent for evaluating credit worthiness as it relates to the unique programs. Lenders scores are not sold to consumers directly. Sometimes uh, your lender can give you a copy. So here's what they're saying is that from a lending standpoint, we must have a bona fide loan application for bona fide looking at buying a house. We cannot run credit just for the willing lending side because that's not legal. We're not a credit reporting company. We are a mortgage company that has access to credit because that's part of the, of the borrowing of a home. You need to 
see what the credit looks like and make sure they're worthy to uh, buy a house because they'll make sure they do pay things back. So that's why I'm saying that you can't get the, you should not be able to get a credit report or credit score from a lender without you have an application in board, you know, on board to actually, if you're applying for a home loan, there you go. Let's see. Uh, does it hurt your credit score when a lender pulls it? Yes. We will talk about that later. So we'll talk about it in chapter 11. Basically what we're going to say is that when the first lender pulls it, that's going to be the inquiry hit. Then pretty much depends on what uh, system you're using. Usually about 30 days after that, if you have, let's say you pulled it on the first of the month, by the end of that month, if somebody pulled it in between that point in time, it should not affect you as a ding on credit for an inquiry. But the only time you'll see it, well, not only because never only, right? That you should see um, a variance in score if you had some change on your credit report, like a balance changed, uh, you had a late payment, or you had uh, got you know uh, a more you may have a, a bigger uh, what do you call it? Um, you have more credit line or something. Something's changed on there that made the score change because it's not the pulling of the credit. Okay, what <clears throat> what is a Med FICO score? Bottom page sixty. A company named Healthcare Analytics is designing a credit scoring system for hospitals to determine whether patients are capable of paying medical bills. Wow. So you come in there, you're dying, and they're going to let you come in. Okay. Hope not. <laughs> er, scary. Okay. Develop, uh, development of this program is supported jointly by Fair Isaac and Tenant Health, Health Corp., a leader in healthcare industry. The idea, the idea behind the Med FICO is to pull the credit report after treatment, not before, so hospitals can determine whether or not you should write, <clears throat> write off uh, the unpaid bill as an uncollectible uh, bad debt. Why? Because hospitals are better able to balance expenses against revenues uh, and invest in new ventures if they can more accurately gauge whether or not a bill will be paid or not. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, should we worry? As an expert, I say yes. And here's why. Rumors are swirling that amendments to the Fair Credit Reporting Act are currently under consideration. As we know, the existing regulation or legislation currently has many flaws. So how do you they expect to regulate and monitor newcomers to the system? And we are not talking about the voluntary credit checks. We're talking about the emergencies, one that catches you completely by surprise, a life-threatening emergency. The development is extremely disconcerting and is ele elevates the importance of credit monitoring on a critical level. So I understand why you should watch your credit and make sure you're always, at, you know, reflecting your true payment hab habits, right? Okay. What is an insurance score? Some auto insurance companies rely on insurance scores. The insurance score is very similar to the traditional FICO score. The new, the good news, if you have a high FICO score, you will also have a high insurance score, which is good, right? Higher, higher score you are, the less probability you're going to file bankruptcy, right? <clears throat> so what is an advantage score? Advantage score has been coming up a lot more recently. And remember, this book was written in 2008, which date is probably 06 or 07. So this date is, you know, it's been there, but it's still relevant. Okay, what is an advantage score? This is a newly developed program that's backed by the three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. They jointly created Vantage Score in order to have their own scoring software program so they wouldn't have to subscribe to Fair Isaac or FICO, which owns the scoring software that the credit bureaus, credit vendors use now. <coughs> Excuse me. To avoid copyright infringement and the differentiate Vantage from FICO, existing score system, which has fallen under a lot of criticism in the media, 
the three credit bureaus sought to create a completely different product. Advantage uses the numeric scale from 501 to 990. Kind of weird, but whatever. And also the parallel alphabetic scale that classifies consumers into a fixed A, B, C, D, or F grade. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> but the Vanish system does not appear to be catching on, on, on as a mainstream product. The United States and several other countries have spent billions of dollars implementing the FICO system into business and commerce. It would be an enormous undertaking and extraordinary expense to change the way lenders score us. Every lender's creditor and mortgage company would have to implement brand new systems and procedures. In, in, in my opinion, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Well, that's 08, so <laughs> it's now 2018, so she's pretty right, huh? So there we go. But they're still talking about the Vantage Score stuff. Okay, uh, page 62. What is a beacon and next gen? Now, these are different words. Let's look this up. Beacon and next gen are not scores. They are versions of FICO software, just like when you purchase and update to your computer software. Beacon, a.k.a. Classic FICO, is the original version of the FICO software. And NextGen 2.0 is the most recent version of the FICO software. The significant, difference, the significant difference, in my opinion, meaning her, meaning Linda Ferrari, are as follows. For a lender, the new model, NextGen 2.0, has 80 predictive variables. Wow. More than twice the number of original Beacon models. This may be good for lenders, however, however, again, for consumers, doubling the variables only makes the reality of consumers meeting the high standards of the credit scoring system even more difficult. I've got 80 parameters to figure out. Wow, that's a lot of parameters, okay? Second bullet point here. For consumers, not for lenders, but this is for consumers, the most significant change in the, is the increase in the I like this one, deduplication, deduplication. Wow, that's a word. Period for auto and mortgage inquiries from 14 days to 45 days. Okay. Deduplication is the window of time in which consumers can have their credit pulled by one auto or mortgage lender and then uh, as they want, and it will only be counted as one, like we talked about a minute ago, hard inquiry. Hard inquiry is one going to hit you for the score. And soft inquiry is when you, order, when you, when you pull credit from the, directly from the bureau usually. Okay. And imp uh, an important point to remember here is that not all credit reporting vendors have updated software to the new next gen 2.0. Remember, we're in 2018, not 2018, so we've had different we have different models at this point. I've always advised my clients to ask the lender which version of software that they are using to pull credit reports. This way, they will know whether or not they'll be going to get be hit for a hard inquiry. I talk about this in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is really big. One chapter five. Okay, the real deal. The credit scoring system has a, has a generation's long history. From very uh, humble pre-technology beginnings, early developers sought to help quantify risk and loans, individual loans. Today, this seems all, excuse me, back it up, misread. Today, these, this is page 63. Today, these systems are still widely used on a grand and global scale. 2008, remember, this string along of a seemingly arcane practice makes much of the credit scoring system seem unnecessary, complicated, and not the least bit intuitive. That's not good, does it? Hmm. 
Thus, you need to understand the background that put the systems into place. It's important for you to understand how it all comes together and how all these big business compile the decision-making information that have massive power over your financial future. That sounds scary. <laughs> Understanding how the credit scoring industry compiles your information will give you a better understanding of how information gets processed as well as how mistakes happen. The ultimate goal is that your important information, you will help you be a wiser, better educated consumer who will know where to go for information and help when there's a problem. End of That's the end of chapter five. Let's go a little bit into chapter six and then we'll call it for a day, okay? Chapter six, credit scoring basics, page 65. What is the range of credit scores? We talked about earlier in reference to regular credit scores, not the advantage score. Credit scores range from 300 to 850. The higher the score, the better the deal, right? What is a good credit score? Let's look at this. So the bar for good credit continues to be raised, right? We talked about originally about the scoring of, you know, 720, 740, 750 on the high side when you start getting the cutoff for your um, bonus points, I guess you'll call it brownie points, to get your better interest rates. Usually run about 720, 740, may put you up higher, who knows? We'll keep an eye on that. That's the day date, beating 2018. Back to 2008. So the, uh, the bar of good credit continues to be raised. Less than a year ago, a credit score of 680 was considered to be great. However, the credit crisis came out of the subprime mortgage issues that lenders tightened their standards. Subprime is when you can't get a regular home loan, you have subprime where you, you know, either lower credit scores or higher risk. It's all about higher risk, but they call it subprime. Um, nowadays, they're going to call it yeah, for 2018, the subprime word is, is been, I don't know, it's not around anymore, I guess you won't call it. No one calls it subprime. Now it's called non-QM. And non-QM is basically you don't fit the the um, regular conventional financing rules and regulations. You're outside the QM section. So, so if you hear subprime, just say non-QM equals, right? <laughs> there we go. And there we go. So um, 300 to 559 was considered bad. 560 to five, right, 560 to 659 was not good. 660 to 724 was good. 725 to 759 is very good. 760 to is great. So, you know, um, lending-wise for regular loans, you know, to get the first-time home buyer programs we talked about originally, you know, for the Couch FA or the Golden State Finance Agency, they want a middle, middle score. So throw out the high, throw out the low, look at the middle score, one person, we want 640 for that one person. Or if there's more than one person, whoever's the lower of the middle scores of all the parties, that's when we look at. But it's less than 640, that person got to go. <laughs> so just some ideas on what scores, what they think credit scores look like in reference to their world of, you know, bad, not good, good, very good, and great. Okay. Page 66. Under current economic conditions, scores higher than 740 are ideal, like I said. These, under, these new standards, these new standards, this new standard is troubling. It raises the bar very high for people to achieve good credit. For a good, for a credit as a credit expert, I have seen very few credit scores over 740. Eh, I've seen higher, but not very often. I know how extremely difficult it will be for people to maintain a higher standard. However, I do believe that over time, standards uh, will lighten up. Why do credit scores from the three credit bureaus vary? Good question. Let's go. 
Credit scores between the credit bureaus can vary by as much as 100 points. This is because not all creditors report all of their credit to all three bureaus. Makes sense. So if you're, let's say JCPenney, just for someone throughout there, right? If they don't report to all three bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, then your score is going to be a little different on each one. So if it's a, if you had a bad credit item, it's not reported to one of them, then that one's going to be a higher score. Or if you have all three are good, you know, all, all you have good scores and one is reported, then you have a lower score and the one guy didn't report it because they didn't report and they and basically don't have that good extra data, right? So it's always going to be a little mix up there. So never a perfect science. So don't guess. Let's see. Okay. Why don't I have a credit score? Good question. Some of the reasons that would cause a consumer not to, gen to generate a credit score or credit report are as follows. They don't have a social security number. Okay. They are not over the age of 18. They don't have enough credit. It takes at least one credit account that's been open for four to six months to produce a credit score. That's why I tell people who get the um, secured credit cards. It's going to take, you know, three to six months to put you hit the system to actually pop up on the scoring system. Okay. Their credit reports are only showing negative credit. Ooh, all bad stuff, right? No open positive accounts. That'd be bad. Uh, they are being reported as deceased. I see that happen. Some people being reported dead. Like, are you dead? You look dead. But <laughs> yeah, correct that, right? Information entered to pull their credit is incomplete. So maybe an address is not missing or something's missing that they can't pull the credit. And there you go. Uh, they have a fraud alert on their credit file. So sometimes people will freeze their credit. And that's kind of like what happened when you had the whole breach of different companies for uh, people who you know, breached their system and found your data. So a lot of people froze their credit. So you can't get a score when it's frozen. You can't pull credit when it's frozen. So got thought out, right? Credit SIP. If you know that you have open active credit, but are not generating a, a credit report or score, this usually means there is an identification problem with the credit bureau. Call the credit bureau. Good luck. I'm getting hold of them, right? Directly. And after a couple of an identification questions, they can tell you what the problem is, right? So usually what I tell people is run your credit through the annualcreditreport.com website and whatever bureau you pull it through, be the ones you probably don't have a score from or where you have a problem with, pull that one. And then there should be a phone number and a reference number so they can pull it up right on the screen on the phone with you and you have a better conversation versus mailing something to them and waiting for something to mail up and then wait 45 days, you fall asleep, you know. So it's better if you can call them. That's a better way, in my opinion. Do lenders use all three scores? Uh, duh. We look at them, but not use them, right? <laughs> Mortgage lenders use the middle of all three scores. Did I say that before? I did. I think I did. In most cases, when it comes to joint credit, joint applications for mortgage, a lender will use the lower of the two middle scores. That means you have you know, two people. If you have three people, then lower the three, right? If you have four people, lower four, right? So how many people you have, we're looking at the lowest middle score of all parties, right? Word of caution, most consumers believe that mortgage lenders and other creditors use the average of three scores. Really? <laughs> really? I'm going to take those numbers out and average them? Okay, that's, that's insane. That's never the case when it comes to lending decisions. That scares me. Okay, how fast can a credit score change? Your credit score has a snapshot of a moment. So basically, when you take a snapshot right then in that moment there, what your score looks like that day, right? They can, they can change whenever the information on your credit report changes. Makes sense. The good news is that once it changes, yesterday's score is non-existent, and you don't have to worry about your past haunting you. Okay. What, does, I'm sorry, what goes into your credit score? 
many consumers think that as long as they pay their bills on time, they will automatically have a high credit score. That's not how it works. Obviously, paying your bills on time is important, but understanding the factors that make up your credit score is your key to maintaining good credit, as well as your key to taking immediate and long, lifelong steps towards credit improvement. So what's the premise saying, I'll, we'll cover in a second, is what was this real quickly. So here we have on page 68, what makes up a credit score? So you look at the types of credit used, that's 10%. Amounts owed is 30%. Payment history is 35%. Length of credit history is 15%. A new credit is 10%. So let's go back through those things. Type of credit used. So they're looking at, you know, is it a revolving credit card? You know, credit cards, is it installment like student loans, car loans? Is it a mortgage, like a house loan, right? So look at those things, what kind of type of credit it is. We were talking originally about the kind of like the pyramid, you know, you have credit cards on the bottom, next is going to be car loans, and on top of that is going to be home loans. As I think, as you go up the ladder, then you're going to have, you know, it's going to it's going to reflect better as long as you paid on time for your score, right? So amounts owed. So basically what they tell us, and which I guess they've always said here is, it's, you know, they won't tell us everything. They'll give us enough to be dangerous, right? That they said that as long as you keep your balance, what you currently have on the credit card, at 30 3% or less, 33% is usually the number, 30% sometimes the number. Uh, I say 30% is probably more likely. That as long as you get your balance at 30% of what you can charge on a credit card, when they run the credit, then you can get the best score versus being paid off in full. Because you can either pay, 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 yeah, pay off in full or 30% or less, then that's going to be probably your best place to be. But like we talked before, if you're paid off in full, and that's full payment, zero balance for more than six months, then that credit card is not seen or not taken to factor or effect or whatever you call it for the score. So it's always like I said originally that if you do have a credit card you don't use and zero balance for more than six months, in month five, you need to go and use it. Buy something small, coffee, you know, cookies, I don't care what it is, something small that, you know, uh, you can you can pay a bill off, you know, when it comes in due, right? Okay, payment history. They want to look at the history. How long have you been paying on bills? How long have you been a payer? So I must make sure you have the capacity to pay on something for a long time and do that without being, you know, like, oh, I'm bored. I'm not going to pay it, right? That's bad. Okay. Um, length of credit history. So basically, how long have you had credit? You know, have you had credit for two minutes, 10 years, 20 years? That helps. Longer you've had credit, it's good credit standings. That helps. New credit. Okay. So you have something that's brand new that they have no clue how you're going to pay it. So they're kind of like, mm, that makes it more question, you know, question what's going on. So you won't, you know, that's going to be, um, if you have too many new credit cards, this is one downgrades because they really can't figure you out yet. So that's not a good thing. Okay, let's see what she says. Let's see if I'm right. Huh? What is not considering your credit scores? Well, not considering your credit scores, your race, color, religion, national origin, sex and marital status, your age, your salary, your occupation, your title, your employer, your date, your employed, employment, history. Mm. Okay, where you live, interest rates, dollar amounts, any items reported as child or family support obligation or rental agreements, unless they become delinquent, right? <laughs> That's when they get problems. That's when they come up to collections, judgments, that kind of stuff. We know that. Soft inquiries, like we talked about, pulling straight from the Bureau. Information not proven to be predictive of the future credit performance. I know what they're saying, but I'm not thinking of anything right now. Whether or not you are participating in a credit counseling program of any kind. So what happens when you go into the triple C, 
they pretty much, you know, kind of freeze your score at that point because you're in, you're in the rehab, don't call it, right? And usually when you're in those things that the credit companies you're dealing with are still showing you late, even though you're paying per your agreement, they're not showing that properly. So beware. <laughs> okay. So we finished chapter six. So let's leave it off there. So I will tune in next time for chapter seven, the five factors of credit, part one, amounts owed. Ooh, it sounds like what do you call it? The cliffhanger, right? So chapter seven, page 71 will be our next time. So thanks guys for listening. Appreciate it. Hope you have a great night.